Welcome. <laughs> Speaking from the shadows. Every color has a voice. I'm Shan. And I'm Franklin. Do you want to do what got us fucked up and then go into the topic? Because I like that idea. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you what got me fucked up. Work. Mm. Work always has me fucked up. Period. Period. Clients. <laughs> tell the people what you do. What you do. <laughs> I'm in the mental health field working with the general population very specific to foster care and that is my whole entire fucking life basically mm. <laughs> psych i am also in the mental health field out in these streets as a therapist what working with clients you know and this is yeah the, they got it, you it, fucked up it's 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 a job not for many not for not for many. But it is a job. But it's a job. It's fulfilling at times. But it's challenging most of the Definitely time. Definitely challenging. Has its has its rewards for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did it got you fucked up? Um, well, so what I do a lot involves court. And I had one of my clients tell me that he was basically changing the visitation schedule that he had that that is court ordered. And I was like, oh, well, you should, you should take that up with your attorney. Because <laughs> it's not me, bro. Okay. Um, the biggest one, though, same person, texts me in, in soliloquies, basically. And I love to read them in his voice. Apparently, it took three weeks for me to respond to him and... I was going on vacation, and I should have communicated that. However, two days before I went out, I'm very sure we had a conversation about how I was going on vacation, which was just a reminder because I knew that I was going to be out the last week of the year for quite some time. But, uh, you know, uh, just me having that conversation with myself but out loud. To no other human. In right? his presence. Never just, involved. Uh, so they got me fucked up. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's got me fucked What's up? What's got you fucked up? And this is going to sound a little funny, but people's lack of fucking insight got me fucked up. Come on. People fucking up people over doing some stupid shit to others without thinking before they act. I mean, a lot of us do it, right? Do. Impulsive. A lot of us do impulsive attention. Impulsivity. <laughs> Which is fine and dandy, right? Sometimes. People are, <laughs> people are allowed to grow and acknowledge what they've done, right? Which is popping, but we have those people who choose not to. Yes. And we have people who know that they're doing it on purpose, but... And still do it. Blindfold them. So, this specifically is talking about a couple. I told you, the couple. Mm-hmm. They came over to our house. Oh. And she looked visibly uncomfortable. And he... It kind of... It was giving me, since you fucked up, I'm controlling you from now on. Not a, let me try to help you. Let me try to see what we can do to fix the issue. Right? It's just a, nah, fuck you. I'm in control. I force you to change your number. I, I, I force you to put a picture of both of us. Yeah. You're, the phone is in my name, is what he said. Oh so what's got God. me fucked up is the fact that people just wow. choose to not deal with what's going on in the room. The elephant is just there. You Pink. know. Hollering. Huge. <laughs> Sitting. Right there. Right, right in the middle. Heavy. Smack dab. <laughs> Getting slapped in the face. <laughs> and they just choose to not do anything about it. And the thing that kills me is how you going to talk shit about her to everybody and then go places with her. So who's the real asshole? Come on. 
Just saying. I'm just like, you're putting her on the spot and you're forcing her to be uncomfortable, essentially, to kind of teach her a lesson. But it's really not doing anything because the relationship will not be. What? You're still enabling the behavior because it ain't the first time shit happened. So, again, who's really the asshole? (laughs) Fucked up. That's what's got me fucked up this week. That's a good thing to have you fucked up. Or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Today. 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 <laughs> today, our topic is identity. Because fitting, it's our first episode. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about our identities and identity in general. So we both have quotes on intersectionality. There is no such thing as a single issue struggle because we do not live single issue lives. And that is by Queen Audre Lorde, Mm -hmm. okay? One of my favorite poets, activists, um, people to walk the earth. I live by quite a few of her quotes, and that one is definitely on point. What about you? So my quote is by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw. It's not about supplication. It's about power. It's not about asking. It's about demanding. It's not about convincing those who are currently in power. It's about changing the very face of power itself. Strong. Mm. Very strong. So how do you identify? I identify as a Latino, well, Dominicano, Latino, mm. you know, you are tu lo sabes, tu lo supiste, tu lo supiste. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Oh. Oh, uh, tu lo Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> But no, yeah, I identify as Latino, I am Dominican, and I am queer, I identify as gay, yeah. Cis. Cis, yes. I mean, gender is evolving, so maybe cis tomorrow. I mean. Maybe identity will evolve. (laughs) Some androgyny in there for sure. There you go. Um, Okay, so that's. You're good? That's like your elevator speech identity, I guess? Yeah. 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 Okay. So my identity has definitely grown over time. Um, I identify as a black queer non-binary person with mental illness. Yes. Yeah. See, it's that last one for me. (laughs) It is an identity. It is. It's a part of my identity because it, it... impacts so much of my life it can't not be a part of my identity mm-hmm. for me and this isn't for everyone who has the same or similar struggles that I have right, right. it's a very very personal choice whether or not you identify with your diagnosis and then a- absolutely if you have that as a part of your identity or not um, but for me and especially recently um, it's a big a big, very big thing. I did not also say fat, hmm. but it's in there. <laughs> it's in there. It's actually, I'm pretty sure, black, queer, non-binary, fat person with mental illness. There you go. Fat, I always forget about, but we've definitely talked about it. Mm-hmm. We've definitely talked about it. And another one that I tend to forget about but now I just thought about it being first generation is huge right because this that could be a whole podcast on its own Mm -hmm. on being first generation what comes with it 
And you had said something. You described it away before. Did I? You did. Like bridge. You used something. Mm. Yeah. You remember? No. no. <laughs> but I get you. You're, I think maybe it was a bridge connecting like the world where you come from to the world you mm-hmm. or are mm-hmm. trying to assimilate to. Something like that. Yeah. And another one that I don't tend to bring up is someone who has curly hair. Mm. Yeah. Especially when thinking about like Latin America, the value of hair and that's a whole other again, a whole other thing. <laughs> Listen. So much to, so much you can dive into with identity. Mm-hmm. Um so I do have a couple of questions to fuel some thought and you don't know what these questions are. No. <laughs> not. <laughs> And I forgot what they are because I wrote them a month ago. And you know how my memory goes. How much of your identity is connected to other people? How do you interpret that question? I'm curious. You know, I instantly think of how your identity links you to others, right? Mm -hmm. Or how your identity allows you to lend certain parts of you, lend certain services, right? Because you have access to something that they might not Mm -hmm. have access to, or you might have an understanding of those identities in a way that they don't. And something else that I think about is even labeling your identities. And when I think of Spanish-speaking individuals who don't, they just live within identities, but don't label them. It's not Mm. something that's the norm. So that's what I link that question to. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know your answer to the question now. We can start with the queer identity. Yes, okay. A lot of my friends are queer individuals or queer accepting individuals, what have you, right, within the spectrums that we speak of. And I think that it fuels the relationships that I have. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a level of understanding and comfortability that comes with it. Right. Because when I think about being in a queer space with other queer people, we get to vibe Mm. the same. We get to have similar understandings when it comes to our struggles as queer people Mm -hmm. um, in the U.S. Or also the fact that we all went to the same university. Right. 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 And what we experienced there, because I think we all flourished and developed our identities. At least it felt like that to me. It felt like that to you, too. And that is exactly Mm. my path. (laughs) For sure. Tell me. Tell me. Um, I mean, college did a lot for me, and that is also when I started my journey with mental health, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I was going to say getting help, but that's not really an accurate portrayal of the story. Um, I was handheld into help, rightfully so, because I was definitely on the on the brink of getting kicked out of college. <laughs> First semester was not a great time. Wonder why? So I was severely depressed. Oh, wow. And I was fine pretending like everything was okay because that was what I was used to and it had gotten me that far, right? Wrong. (laughs) So one of my mentors asked me one day, like, what was wrong or if I was okay or something of that variety, And I was like, you know, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm okay. And he looked at me, like, square my face and was like, I know you're not okay. And I was just like, oh, 
no. Uncomfortable trying to like. Uh, I'm a fan of escapism, so I really wanted to escape the situation, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. There was no escaping that. Um, and he talked to me about the counseling center on campus, and he talked to me about the counseling center on campus, and he's like, this is the number, this, you know, this process, call and make an appointment. And he's like, are you going to call? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to call. And he looked at me, and he's like, <laughs> let's call. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> said I know too well (laughs) um so that was a big part of that um and even before that let's go back to like end of high school the last two years junior senior year I was very I was starting to burgeon as a little queer bee (laughs) um and I was like I don't have a label. I just like who I like, like what I like, and that's me. Uh, And then that developed into queer. And I was like, okay, yeah. And overlapping with that, um, I started to have a lot of gender feelings. And this is earlier on when Tumblr was flourishing. And in my drafts, I had this from like, 2011 or 2012 or something and it was like me being confused about my gender and and how I was feeling and there were a lot of like advice pages and I'm pretty sure some of them are still around but it said I asked a question or someone else asked a question uh, like how do I know if I'm trans or how do I know if I'm not cis something like that And the person's like, if you're questioning it, it's likely that it's worth exploring and Mm -hmm. you're most likely not cis. Um, But it's it's a thing that you don't really know until until you explore a little bit. And I don't think there is nearly enough room in the world for that. But whole other thing. Whole other thing. In summation. (laughs) College did a lot for me. Um, Undergrad really developed me a lot and I had a lot of firsts in that from 17 to like 23 when I graduated or I was 22 um a lot happened and those were that was my young adulthood so I agree I I grew a lot in university undergrad yes (laughs) same for me same for me. Growing up and being, well, I, I think of I think of high school, right? I think of the transition between not knowing any terms, any identities at all, to then learning learning them. Sometimes you learn them because other people call you those names, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. But that makes sense, right? Yeah, that's what kind of happened for me. People started to identify me. Oh, he's gay. He's this and this and that. And even the identity of fat, that was always attached to me, right? So I guess even that identity impacted the way that I engage or how, yeah, how I engage with other people mm-hmm. because it makes, it had made me, sometimes, I mean, it still lingers here and there, but it makes me question, are people wondering, are people looking at me, right? Do people question my abilities because of mm. it? And I noticed and I've kind of strayed away from it, but I've noticed that something that I do is, oh, you can think about that. You can talk about that. People want to have conversations about 
people who are of size in negative ways, right? And you, you hear it. You hear it. So I'm like, come on, let's dance. I will dance you off. Mm. I will dance all night. So my body has nothing to do with my ability. Because a lot of people can do a lot of things. Yeah. Right? And another identity, you just, you just bring it out of me. Another identity <laughs> is being bilingual. That one for sure can be on this list for me. I was very surprised that you didn't mention Spanish speaking, like being a native Spanish speaker mm -hmm. initially. And so we got here. You said we guided. I did not guide, <laughs> I did not guide you. You guided yourself. But that, I mean, your question guided both of us, right? That is fair. And I think that being bilingual, yeah, that one for sure. From a child, it's just, this is the resource that you provide. This is how you help us grow. And, you know, this is how you help me interpret information, help me communicate with other people, help me pay things. And it can be a lot. It can be a lot. It kind of shifts you from kind of being in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. It does show up here and there, right? It shifts you from being in crisis mode to learning how to use that in all spaces, mm. right? Because I can say that, yeah, it might have been hard, and I learned from it, but now I can utilize it. Yeah. And it's, it, I, there's a lot of value for me in that identity. Sounds like it's empowering. It, period. And I think, <laughs> I think that is great, because I get to help people around me. I get to help people around me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm throwing out an assumption, which I know is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you say, then, that being bilingual is very intertwined with your experience as a first generation. Without a fucking doubt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Without a fucking doubt. Because I can tell you that my siblings will not have to experience the same stuff that I, the same things that I experienced mm -hmm. at all. I think I remember having like a conversation similar to this with you about CODAs, children of deaf adults, having mm -hmm. a very similar experience where the oldest person often serves as like a connection between the deaf world and the hearing world. And this is... That's, <laughs> when, you, yep, that's when you said, yep. Um, being the bridge between the deaf world and the hearing world. And they are responsible for a lot of the information that their parents get, which is, as, as we know, unfair to children. However, um, historically and even still, it tends to fall on the oldest, right? And then the other siblings to come behind usually get to live more of a unentangled life in that regard of like responsibility and in that process some may end up losing a lot of things mm. that they might not understand the value of at the time in culture or in language or both mm -hmm. both yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's always evolving it's always evolving because i think of even now right living in a multi-generational home and still being the oldest, can't escape it. So <laughs> still being the, the oldest and having to even help them communicate amongst themselves. Mm. Yeah. And then now we add the layer of the other identity of a therapist. It's right. like, whoa. A whole, New level. Another <laughs> level. Because now you see, now you see the, the generational trauma and how it shows up. Mm. And you're like, how do I fix it? I want to fix it. But sometimes you just got to let it be. Yeah. It just makes you hyper aware of it. Mm-hmm. 
and you know what to look for. So it's like you can't unsee it, even if you're not looking for it half the damn time. Yeah. And I guess something else that I would add about the queer identity is that it impacts my comfortability in certain spaces. Mm. And I limit myself sometimes because of it. My mannerisms, the way I speak... um, yeah, just being in a, in a lot of heteronormative spaces can be draining. Mm-hmm. Can be draining, but I've learned to just speak up and say what the hell is on my mind. I ain't saying nothing wrong. Right. I'm saying the what the facts. The facts. The truth. Mm, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so you would say much of your identity is tied to other people. Oh, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there any of your identity that you've shared up to this point that is not solely connected to you individually, but um, does it feel more like your own rather than a community identity, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. And you can take some time to stew on that if you need to, because I know it's a big question. Um, and I'll answer the question. Do, um, the first question, how much of my identity is tied to other people? <sighs> a lot of my identity is tied to other people. And like you touched on, a lot of my identity was given to me. Um, even queerness in a way, because when I was growing up, I didn't look like a stereotypical little girl. Um, and I am AFAB, female signed at birth. And so um, people would mistake me for a little boy sometimes mm-hmm. or you know, mistake me for a little boy sometimes. Now it's like, ah, euphoria for me. But back then it was definitely confusing and a little, I remember this one, this one time specifically walking behind this dad and his son and I can't remember what they said exactly, but I remember the kid being like something, something like the either he said either a boy or girl, and then dad said the opposite. So whatever, however that exchange went. And I was just like, hmm. And I think maybe that's the first time I really paid it attention, like And that was more tied to my expression and not my identity, but my expression back then wasn't even my own because I didn't buy my own clothes. I didn't dress myself for the most part. Um, So it's, it's very nuanced, and I've spent a lot of the last decade of my life reworking things that have been sort of throughout my life, right, in identity formation. And so some of that I've taken back in a way or reclaimed, and it's more connected to me than it is to other people. But foundationally, it's still connected to other people, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Okay. It's like you're describing it starts off being linked to others, Mm -hmm. right? Because of how others view identities, the way they navigate the world with identities, and now it's like, oh no, this this is this is for me, right? This is for me. I I know me. I have been able to identify myself and no one else can do it. Right. No one else can take that from you. Right. People Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh I was just gonna say people love to label but act like 
labels don't exist. <laughs> um, yes, they do. Whew. Yes, they do. Um, I was going to say, I was going to talk about the younger generations coming up behind us, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think they are very much so in that space of self-identifying, whereas the generations before them, our generation included, though I think we were the ones, well, no, I would argue that before us even, mm-hmm. but probably like our parents' generation is really where you started to see that like pushback and like break away from traditionality. But of course, like, and I mean on a grander scale, right? Because mm-hmm. in smaller communities or in smaller numbers, these things were always happening. There was always that, that pushback, that rejection of tradition or the norm but to, for it to happen on such a grand scale, um, I think really happened with like our parents, for, some, for a lot of us anyway. My mom was born in the 50s, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Late 50s. My father was born in the early 50s, so. You said that and the first thing that came to mind is music. Hear me out, hear me out. Music is linked to so many people in my life, right? But I think that there's a there's like a, a small box that I hold dear to myself that I open and kind of like share. And when I say music, I mean like more of like traditional songs from Dominican Republic. Okay. Right? Like songs, because we, we can think like bachata, we can think merengue, and instantly a lot of people think of mainstream artists or artists that are vastly heard in the U.S., right? But I'm like, no, the foundation was over there, and there are a lot of songs that are not regularly listened to that need need more attention. For sure. So I think of it as like a box. Those songs are there, and it just, it helps me to feel the room and provide that song, those songs to people, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, when I'm in those spaces, a lot of people don't sit down and figure out who the artist is, right? They don't sit down and maybe save the song for later. Mm. So these are like, I like to call them secret songs that I keep for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And depending on the mood, I can share and open that box with people. But a lot of times, those songs t- tend to stay with me. And they tend to connect to a lot of how you know how I, how I do things, how I um, shift my mood, how I dance, um, a lot of rhythm, rhythm. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's the that's the one that struck out for me when you when you asked me that question. Cool. Mhm. That's that's awesome. Thank you. That's very rich. Very rich response. Uh, up to this point in your life, are there stages or phases of your life where you can point out moments of great growth and development? And we touched on this a little bit, right? Because yeah. adult, young adulthood and in college. But I guess before then, did you have any like very crucial moments that inform who you are today. I do have a question Mm -hmm. for you specifically, but I am going to answer. One of the stages in my life that stick out, um, it's really one age 
and it's eight. And it is a very specific time in my young eight-year-old life where I experienced great loss and tragedy uh, all in a very short period of time, very traumatizing. And young me did not get what they needed, unfortunately. Um, So it left adult me to do a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, But it definitely informed who I am and how I navigate relationships. And it definitely plays a role in the fact that I do not like to lose people from my life. And I am very slow to let go. And I'm not touching the rest of that with a 10-foot pole. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Say it and leave it there. Well, I mean, you done... (laughs) You got you got it all working in my mind now. You got it all working in my mind since you were talking about relationships, right? It makes me think about, and maybe your question is tied to this because some something in my soul is screaming, right? Maybe tied to, you know, the my well, I guess ooh, worms. It's hard, worms. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> Yeah, I guess abandonment, rejection um, from a young age, how I navigate um, spaces, you know, how I second guess myself at times, how I question my value Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, my abilities, my talents, and maybe not feeling like I'm 100%, you know, enough when it comes to that. And I guess it's even seeped into my queer identity you know, in certain spaces, am I allowed to do this? You know, will I be ridiculed? And this is younger me, right? And when I say younger me, I mean like early adulthood, because me now at 26 is not me at 22. Mm. No, because when we talk mm. about earlier memories, what are those? Growth. Okay. I don't. I don't have a lot of those. Insummation. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Me being abandoned at a young age by my father definitely impacted my relationships with cis men now, Mm. right? Cis Latin men, especially. The way I engage myself with the space. You know what's funny, though? That cat ain't hit that space bar once. (laughs) Not once. Oh, snoot. <laughs> he yeah. said, oh, is this a laptop? It's basically a part of the bed now. This is not live. <laughs> <laughs> this is not live. It's not live. Just him crawling across. <laughs> it's not live. <laughs> I don't care. I have to get to the other side. So, yeah, just the, the connection between my insecurities because of that. And how I foster healthy relationships with men. And that's not exclusive to cis men. I said cis men before, but it's shown up with my relationships with a lot of different types of men. Mm. Yeah. And the way I give and receive. Oof. You've, you've touched on a lot that I didn't even think about originally when I was answering the question. You touched on abandonment, right? And I have some great history there as well 
And that happened even before I was eight, but eight, I treat eight as the pinnacle age because for me, eight is when I lost two very significant people from my life and to death specifically. Mm. Um, So that has framed how I hold myself in relationships. But so has being left by choice, right? Right. Um, By both of my parents in different capacities. So... There's a lot that has informed who I am and how I navigate relationships and how I hold myself, for sure. Um, and you touched on something which I, I <clears throat> feel called to respond to in my soul, if you will. Being left, right, and feeling like I'm not enough or like I'm inadequate. Mm-hmm. And so because of my inadequacy people have chosen to leave. And so those underlying feelings of inadequacy have snaked their way through my life to current, to present, and um, definitely still growing in that and from, from that. But it is definitely a stage or a phase events that I can point to and say... I am who I am mm-hmm. because of this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't, excuse me, I didn't have that before you You said what you said. So See, that's and that's the point it is, right? Yeah, that's it's the point. Interaction. We we, and I'll add one thing, and we're going to break the fourth wall real quick, okay. right? Because we have to acknowledge that there are beautiful humans that will be listening, hopefully, right? Hopefully. Yeah, they'll be listening, and just for them to know that, yeah, we talking real shit because a lot of us go through this. Yeah. A lot of us. A lot of us have goals that we feel like we're not meeting because of that voice in our head that's like, nah, bruh, you're not good enough. Right. Nah, sis, you're not doing enough. And that shit right there. There's something that I heard from a YouTuber that I follow, Tariq Ali. Tariq Ali. Tariq Ali. He is a black queer man out in these streets living his best life, trying to be a screenwriter in L.A. And he talks about all the trials and tribulations he's had to go through. So I bring that up because he said, you wouldn't be in a friendship with someone who would bring you down and who would tell you that you're not enough and question your abilities, right? So why do you do that to yourself? You know, it's funny. I say... What would you tell someone who said what you said or who told you that they were feeling how you felt? What would you say to them? Mm -hmm. And if you can say that to them and you can be compassionate with them, turn that inward right to yourself. And that's actually a lot of what I've been saying to myself because self-compassion is a work in progress for me. So I'm trying to turn a lot of that compassion, that recognition, that empathy inward towards myself because... Why do we afford other people space to make mistakes and grow and change and Mm -hmm. not give that to ourselves? And now sometimes we do need a firmer hand and other times we need something a little softer and a little more nurturing. And a lot of us do not know how to give that to ourselves. Okay. Come on, therapist. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) You okay. got the degree. <laughs> I did, I did. I got the license. You got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so one, my question 
has to do with, or my sub question, because mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down, um, has to do with changing culture from the Dominican Republic to the U.S. And like that time in your life, has that informed who you are? Mm-hmm. It, do you even remember that? Because I know you were very young. I don't. I went to school. Yes. I don't remember. <laughs> and that's okay. All that is left of, of those memories are photos. My mom used to style me, okay? Yes. Not that it has anything to do with this, it but I guess... It has everything to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Identity, okay? She had you popping from a young but, age. Listen, and you are listen. still here with the fashion. Come, cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> Rita set you up for success, okay? She did, and then I set her up for success, too. Yes. Fashion Nova and ASOS. Okay. Sponsor. <laughs> Please. Um, <laughs> you're too much. Last question. What is your favorite slash most sacred slash treasured identity? Ooh. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Let's hear it. You know. Let's hear it. Tu sabe. Tu sabe. You know. You know what it is that I'm saying. It's it's definitely being Dominican. Yeah. Right. And that's the umbrella because under that is language and all, even the food. Like, mm-hmm. if I always say, if I'm born again, it has to be the same country for me. <laughs> it really does. I love that. Yeah. I love that. What about you? I always go with the difficult-ass answer because Mm -hmm. I am who I am. And I won't say all of them because that's a major cop-out, and I won't won't do a major cop-out answer. I'll just do a minor cop-out answer because I do have more than one. Uh, My blackness is undeniable. Period. Um, Being fat, undeniable. (laughs) And it, it, it... both those things, because mm-hmm. they are so visible, inform how I navigate spaces before I even open my mouth. Yes. And for that reason, queerness asterisk, because I don't always have the look mm-hmm. of what people think queerness looks like. And there's been a journey that, I've, that I'm on with dysphoria. It is... Ugh, some new stuff going on, some old stuff resurfacing. It's, it's just a wild ride that I am thankful I, I have health insurance for um, because the therapy <laughs> is real. <laughs> the therapy is real. And in that vein, mental health and being a person who struggles with mental health is another very sacred identity because it 100% has affected my life. It impacts my family. Um, there's like genetic predispositions that mm-hmm. I have to certain things that uh, cause me to be very cautious in some regard. So I'll say those four. <laughs> but for a very good reason, all four of them. Um, most sacred, most treasured. Every identity that I possess is my favorite. Oh, yeah. And one I didn't even touch on or talk about is being an artist. And we're both artists. Mm -hmm. I'm a poet. 
I sing somewhat, a little Cut it bit. Out. <laughs> um, so, and there's a lot of that even mm-hmm. in in how I see the world and how I walk through life and navigate and um, my life as a professional also because my profession is a lot of how I see other people even when I'm trying not even trying to. Mm-hmm. You, you you did that. I did. <laughs> no, you did that. You mm-hmm. you were talking about health. And I'm like health is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. Holistic baby. Okay. All of it, top to bottom, inside out, health. Health is every health is health is literally top to bottom, inside out, bottom to top too. Shit. Outside in. <laughs> Health is holistic. It has to be. It has to be holistic. Unless you live in a Western mentality, in which case. What? 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 What happened? What? What, mm-hmm. what was that? What? Who said mm-hmm. it? I don't know who said it, but they said, you know what they said? What they say? We're going we to quote Denzel Dion from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> they said, I said what I said. I said what I meant, and I meant what I said. I love it. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up a topic that can be added, and I know you're going to be like, oh, yes. Access. Mm. Access. You brought up insurance, right? Whew. If y'all want to know about that, if y'all want to get into it, Let's y'all let us know, it. you know. We're we going to have an Instagram. I just want you to know. And we're going yeah, we to find, like, the most dope section that we like and we go yeah, mm-hmm. okay yeah vision yeah time endless i wish we had it so i could tell them <laughs> <laughs> we're but so if, silly we are but if you want to get into that let us know if you have any suggestions let us know uh we will let we will update y'all yes we are growing and progressing out here and we transparent so we are a small podcast. We are still working on the foundation with multi-social media platforms. So we will let y'all know. We will let y'all know when all of that is up and running. It should be up and running next time. We got another one for you. Hey. So stay tuned. You got something to say, Shan? Yes, because we have one last thing to do. Period. Current favorite song. I knew it. I was so ready. You can go. Okay, well, mine is one I've been singing all damn day. Ooh. The weekend, SZA. Oh, what about it? Current what about favorite? it? Up? First of all, SZA, period. But like, yes. <laughs> yes and yes. But the weekend, she just be hitting because you that nine to five, and I'm the weekend. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then just send him my way. Mm. Baby, I'll keep him satisfied. Through the weekend. Ah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Current favorite. Oh, so many. Um, just to give visual information, my mm-hmm. cat has joined us. And oh. get out of here. <laughs> no, him crying at the door, though. That was just the worst. But he's now under our little table, like, stretched out. And he's so cute. It's my baby. So it's either going to be 
Mark Anthony with Mala because mm, when that song just, so good it, when it when it came out I was like okay hits okay you, I mean he, he he's just he just does it he mm-hmm. just does it Whew. or one of the one of the artists that I love who passed away like maybe three years ago if not four. He's a Dominican artist, Oscar Sarante, um, hmm. Amor a Medio Tiempo. Yeah. Yeah. That shit is it's the guitar for me. Okay. The You're going to have to listen. Listen, listen. Ooh. I don't know Spotify going to copyright us, but yeah, that's, that's all. A little taste. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. That was very good. So on that note, I don't have anything else to add, but I do want to thank all of our listeners for listening. Yes, thank you. Define yourself for yourself. Use your voice. And and be be great. great.